Because we never tire of Jamie's British jokes, this is MuggleCast episode 268 for July 28th, 2013. This week's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. Welcome to Mugglecast episode 268. We are nearing the end of Mugglecast. But hey, we got we got a bonus episode out earlier this month. And as we've been telling people, we've been hoping to bring back some co-hosts who were with us previously... And look who's here this week, Jamie Lawrence. Hello, Jamie. Hello, everyone. Oh, it's, it's, it's great to be back. It's, it's weird to be back. Uh, <laughs> I came on and I said Andrew sounded precisely the same as he's always sounded. So perhaps no time has passed at all. No, no. Harry Potter is with us forever. Forever, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah, it's great to be back. Things have been good with you? Yeah, fantastic. I mean, you know, what's happened in the in the past couple of years, but it's it's hard to compact it all into a couple of sentences. You know, life has life has taken me down different directions, oh, and good. you know, I've done different things, and and um, as I'm sure everyone has, that sounded really uh, philosophical. I, yeah. I don't know if I meant it to sound that philosophical, but well, yeah, stuff is good. Stuff good. is going well. Good. Well, that that kind of reminds me of what people tell us a lot about MuggleCast that they've grown up with the show. Which we all have in a way, especially when we're around it for eight years. That's Growing true. Up. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be interesting to get a psychologist in and and make them study how it's changed us? Yes, <laughs> how it's made us develop. Yes, you know, they they would find in me that it's driven me crazy. I've become a madman. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps they'd lock you up. You know, section you something like that. Andrew can't be on the final episode because he mentally can't handle it. He took Jamie's advice. It was a terrible decision. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think they'd find that a lot of us are more, at least for me, you know, more confident and, uh, you know, develop sort of our public speaking and, and maybe like theatrics a little bit, you know, for live, live events and stuff. So uh, I think it's a lot, but it's been, the majority of it has been quite positive. Saying that though, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I could have said, you know, it, it helped me develop my public speaking. I'm sure it, it has done, but I did an event the other day for work, uh, where I had to go on stage and, uh, talk in front of 230 people. Mm. And my talk was about three things. And right at the beginning, I outlined these three things, um, and said what they were. And then I went through each one in turn. So I said, the first one is this, and it's important because of this. Second one is this, and it's important because of this. You know, speech making 101. Yeah. And then I went on to the third one, and I was like, and the third one is... And it completely completely went from my head. Oh, so, no. I, said, I said, the third one is, and then I said, and it's obviously really important, like the other two, and it is. <laughs> and I still didn't know what it was, and I just had to stand there looking stupid. And thankfully, because I'd gone through them earlier, someone from... The audience called out, you know, what it was, and I said thanks, and then moved on. But it was absolutely 
absolutely mortifying. Oh, you didn't have yeah. a uh, a PowerPoint or anything you could well, refer to? Well, this is the thing. This is the thing. I, I didn't bring any notes up because uh, when I have notes, I just tend to stare at them. But I didn't know that they were going to have LCD screens at the front of the stage uh, that face the person speaking. If I'd known that, I'd have just put the three points on there and I <laughs> couldn't have messed it up. But yeah. It, because I didn't, everyone thought I was a rank amateur. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, maybe if you, you should just, just point them to our website, Jamie. Point yeah, point yeah. yeah. Be like, I promise, yeah. I'm good. I used to do this podcast. I was really good on it. But maybe, maybe, maybe this, uh, yeah, will, yeah, this I, maybe this episode will help you refocus. Yeah, yes. maybe, maybe I might send them an email actually, pointing them to the download link, and just say, "Have a please have a listen to this and see if it's okay." <laughs> so we'll invite you back. Ahead, that you say that because I have this big presentation coming up on Friday and now I'm not sure. <laughs> Don't oh, choke, Micah. What, but I do thing, have Micah. a PowerPoint. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, that that helps. I should have just done that. But I actually did a course before I did this presentation course. And the two things that I got out of it, I, I don't know if you do presentations a lot, but the two sort of big lessons that the guy told me was um, in terms of structure, he said, tell them what you're going to tell them tell them and then tell them what you've told them and if you do that they know people take it in you know because they uh it's like brainstem apparent and he also said the ability of the audience to understand what you're saying is always slower than the speed at which you deliver it so you need to you know really slow down which i tried to do but i was nervous so i don't know well, you slowed down pretty well once you got to the third point actually <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair you were point. waiting with bated breath. I, I couldn't be slower, to be honest. So, but I, I would agree that this show has definitely helped me develop public speaking spill, skills, <laughs> and uh, just just in terms of like doing doing good at what we do here on this podcast. Because now we do multiple podcasts. So, mm. no, it's been it's been very beneficial. This show. Uh, just to put you on the spot here, Andrew, you've done loads of podcasts since you know this yeah. one. This is still your baby, still your favorite. Yeah, ab- absolutely. No, we've gotten in a very good. I think Mike and Eric would agree. We've gotten in a very good vibe with this show, where mm. we don't. I don't feel pressured doing MuggleCast because I know we have a good rapport, all of us. And then when we bring on extra people as well. It's usually the core of the show has been Micah, Eric, and I for some time. But the core of the sh- uh, so we've just been very comfortable with that. I think, yeah, um, being able to to just get together, no drama, talk about whatever is happening in the Harry Potter world is a really gratifying experience. Yeah, and so long as there's stuff to talk about, of course. <laughs> oh yeah, no, and we're not pressured to to put out content more often than it is needed. Yeah, um, so that's really nice. All right, guys, so- let's stop all the back slapping. Let's. Let's be critical. Hey, Aren't we awesome? <laughs> you, <laughs> what can we improve? No, well, a, a big oh, focus of this show, of this episode, is going to be the cuckoo's calling because it continues to be very interesting how it all played out. Um, on the last episode, we recorded the day or the day after um, the cuckoo's calling was revealed to be J.K. Rowling, and now we're learning how it all came to be. Uh, there's kind of there's two parts to this story. As it turns out, the reason that J.K. Rowling decided to reveal that she was the author was because the Sunday Times in the UK did their own digging after one of their writers had tweeted, yes, I read The Cuckoo's Calling and it was quite good. Somebody replied to her and said that book was uh, written by J.K. Rowling. 
And the Sunday Times editor replied to this anonymous person and said, how do you know for sure? And the anonymous person just said, I just know. And then from there, they decided to do some digging. They connected the dots between, first, the publisher of The Casual Vacancy and The Cuckoo's Calling were both Little Brown. Uh, they sent The Casual Vacancy, The Cuckoo's Calling, and Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows to a linguistics expert who found significant similarities between the three books. And after those two pieces of evidence, JK, um, so the Sunday Times decided to email JK Rowling's people and say, just give me a straight answer. I believe that the cuckoo's calling is JK Rowling. And then the next morning, JK Rowling's people replied and said, yes, it is. And here's a statement from Rowling. And that was that. And then in terms of the anonymous Twitter user, who that was, it turns out, that it was a, what, um, like a, somebody, so the only people who knew that J.K. Rowling wrote The Cuckoo's Calling was J.K. Rowling, probably her husband, um, Neil Blair, her agent, and one or two other select people, including a couple people. I knew too. Who are, oh, you knew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I were, just didn't tell anyone, yeah. Who were, oh. uh, lawyers. And so, Eric, did you throw this link in? Do you want to tell us about this part? Yeah, yeah. So, Jamie, you showed a lot more restraint than, uh, not to name names here, but, uh, Chris Gossage from, uh, apparently Russell's Solicitors is one of J.K. Rowling's, uh, law firms who she, you know, I'm, I'm not clear their relationship, but they had something to do with the cuckoo's calling, uh, as well as protecting J.K. Rowling's assets because they knew about this book. Uh, being really by rolling. And evidently, one of the partners at Russell Solicitors, uh, named Chris Gossage, and this is all in a statement, um, which we found, uh, actually from Newsrounds, or formerly Newsrounds, I guess, Lizo? Um, Lisa. No, no, Lizo Mazimba. Yeah, yeah. We, we love Lizo Mazimba. Um, I found it on his Twitter, actually. Um, these two statements, and basically it appears that this guy, Chris Gossage, told his wife's best friend, like at a party and, in, or, or something, in, in confidence, he was just Alcohol like, hey, was involved. hey this is in fact, I think so too, but he was just like, hey, this is, you know, uh, really by J.K. Rowling. Well, his wife's friend is the one who then tweeted at the Sunday Times. And this is all, this all kind of came out and was revealed. They did background searches. She's a mother of two in Surrey, living in Surrey. We are going to continue with today's episode of MuggleCast in just a moment, but first it is time to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of MuggleCast, Audible is offering you a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their great service, and I think you know what I am going to recommend this week. It is probably the biggest no-brainer, the easiest prediction ever. The Cuckoo's Calling by Robert Galbraith or J.K. Rowling. It has been available on Audible since mid-May. It's been secretly waiting for you to take a listen to. A new piece of work by J.K. Rowling. If you are going to be out and about this summer and maybe you can't get a copy of the book, maybe it's hard to get. Maybe you just want to try a new way of digesting a book. Audible is the way to do it. And The Cuckoo's Calling, J.K. Rowling's second post-Harry Potter novel, is probably the best book to try. 
Visit audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. If you're a new subscriber to Audible, you can get it for absolutely free. Audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. And we thank Audible for their support of the show and giving you an opportunity to get J.K. Rowling's new book for free. So do we, do we, do, are, whose side are we on? J.K. Rowling's side or this leaker's side? I mean, it's so mm. hard to know until you know the full side of the story, you know. I mean, uh, uh, one of the things, Eric, just to pick up on there, isn't it weird how in these news stories they always f- focus on the person? Like, you know, what's Judith done in her life? You know, you know they just yeah. go back and trawl through all the, the yeah. haze of her past to see, you know, if there's something something in there that could have, you know, predisposed her to this or something. It's, <laughs> it's just odd. But, but, uh, well, that's yeah. that's exactly right. I mean, this this article that we I, I linked to from here is uh, from the London Evening Standard or something, and it's all about uh, this lady, this woman, Judith Caligari. Um, they call they refer to her as the deep throat at the center of the publishing. Oh, right, yeah. It's just like blowing it up way out of proportion, um, you know. And they actually, I believe, probably took a photo from her Facebook profile, like found this woman. And, un- yeah. and unmasked her. So, so that bit of it is actually uncomfortable, the way that names are getting named, as you're saying. But I think, you know, because of how much money is associated with this, uh, and, and the fact that it's JK Rowling's, you know, confidence that was broken in this law firm, Russell's had to issue this statement, isolating that Chris Gossage, uh, gentleman. And then JK Rowling had to issue a statement, I guess, or she did issue a statement pretty much the same time her lawyers did. And I'm going to read that right now. It's very quick. It says, I have today discovered how the leak about Robert's true identity occurred. A tiny number of people knew my pseudonym, and it has not been pleasant to wonder for days how a woman who I had never heard of prior to Sunday night could have found out something that not many of my oldest friends did not know. To say that I am disappointed is an understatement. I had assumed that I could expect total confidentiality from Russell's. A, rep- a reputable professional firm, and I feel very angry that my trust turned out to be misplaced. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, it, no, sorry, it closed speculation that the publisher decided to leak this on purpose. Some were wondering if they did it to boost sales, which would have been understandable, but I think they had a good relationship with J.K. Rowling after the casual vacancy and now this, and mm-hmm. Rowling wanted to keep it a secret and then unveil it on her own accord. Right. Remember, we remember her original statement a couple or earlier this month when she said, you know, I was hoping to keep it a secret a little while longer. Mm. So, um, I have to be honest though, if I was at a party and I had this little secret, I don't think I could keep it in. I'd, I'd have to tell somebody that I knew. There's no, a part. I wouldn't. Yeah, I, there's I, a... I take pleasure in the fact that I knew something. I just, <laughs> I, I'd feel like the big cheese, you know? <laughs> It'd be like, who killed JFK? You know? Right, right. Do you know? Uh, I do. If I tell you, I believe I'm going to get some people in suits with machine guns busting down my door okay. anytime soon. So uh, I, I, re- I really couldn't, you know. No, but there is that part in all of us. And, and part of this story coming out, I was just I felt like, oh, it's a very human mistake to make. It just felt like something that possibly if I weren't careful, I would do, you know, because there's certain news that you just you get so excited and on Twitter, you think everything's anonymous. On the internet, you think everything's anonymous, uh, even though her Twitter name was pretty much her real name. 
Jude Caligari, I think it was on Twitter. But you just think that it's anonymous and that you can get away with that. And it's just kind of like teasing somebody with your knowledge and all that. But as it turns out, you know, that Sunday Times person was determined to follow up and they did. I, no, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't agree with that, that you think it's anonymous. I mean, the, surely if the Snowden stuff and, and, you know, uh, has, has taught us anything. It's that you really can't assume you've got any privacy online whatsoever. This woman is clearly, well, I say clearly, allegedly, <laughs> uh, <laughs> allegedly, uh, you know, perhaps uh, just thought she wanted to feel the bit of power from it. I mean, no good could come of it, I don't think. You know, it was never going to end well when you make that first step to go on Twitter and say, I just know. I mean, if you're saying that, you have to question her motive, surely. If she's saying, I just know, it isn't because she doesn't believe in, you know, in the, in the, um, anonymity when it comes to authors is a good thing. You know, I mean, why is she doing it? It's, it seems a bit selfish. Do you, yeah. But I don't know. I, I kind of imagine this to be like a drunken conversation and she, like, accidentally did it and then realized her mistake afterwards. Well, what happened? Keep your mouth shut then, you know? I mean, yeah, that's possibly true. But, but the Twitter, the Twitter was deleted. The account was deleted shortly following that I just know tweet, which really does make me question the motives then. Cause it's like, well, did she realize she had done something wrong or what happened? Because the, the account is removed. And it was when the Sunday Times author wanted to follow up, it was removed, it was gone, it was missing. So it felt like a, a mystery. It could have also been ignorance. Like, she didn't know the enormity of the secret. Mm. Like she didn't well, hold on, hold on a second. Why are we uh, Why are we blaming poor Judith here? I, I feel like, if anything, she she is not to blame. It's the person who told her in the first place. I think that's a fair point because look, she's got no responsibility. She isn't, you know, technically she isn't, she hasn't been instructed by uh, Rowling to keep her secret a secret. The partner who works for Russell's is, you know, he's paid to act in the interests of the, the company and, and giving away this secret is not really acting in the interests of the the company when they're going to lose a key client and get their name plastered all over the news. So yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair point. It's, you know, it's his fault. Yeah. And I mean, JK Rowling, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. If we're talking about, um, the statement from Rowling, she, she just, I, I I don't want to say it's portraying her as a victim, but she does just see, she uses words like I'm, I feel very angry. You know, and it has not been pleasant. And you just wonder, okay, she's, she's through hell. But to Andrew's question, whose side are we on? Obviously, that's quite polarizing. But (laughs) my, my question is, um, (laughs) my question's about, you know, how long would have rolling waited? And, and, and this, this is the problem is that it's also come out. And I don't know if we're going to also talk about this, but essentially she said it was either in a later statement or something that I think it was on the website. The second book in this Robert Galbraith has been written in this Robert Galbraith series. And my problem is, if that book is complete, you know, and was set to release next year, I think it's quite likely that she wasn't going to tell anybody until maybe even after the second book was maybe out. Maybe three, two or three books, yeah. Three or three, two books. Or three books. No, but, but I have a, I have a really big problem with that because I think, well, wouldn't, wouldn't I be angry if I found out that J.K. Rowling not just published one book, but two or three. And, and meanwhile, there's nothing happening on her Twitter. She's completely dead to the world, silent. You know, this author whom I love and whom I love reading is essentially not letting me read her work, is not sharing uh, with me. I think that's I, an interesting point. I mean, it's a very interesting point, definitely. Um, yeah, I think it all depends on, 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 on how much 
you feel she has a sort of psychological contractual obligations to her fans from the Potter series. You know, I don't know if you guys like Chris Rock, but he always used to say that he shouldn't have to act as a role model uh, for for young people. You know, his job is an entertainer. It's not just because he's in the public eye. He doesn't owe something to anyone. Right. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. It depends. Yeah, what you what you what you think she owes us really i don't know i agree it's a bit you know to have that revelation come at a later date it it does feel a bit you know i don't know like a secret's been uncovered but then i guess you know she can't cater for everyone i'm so, sorry i mean she has to cater for the general public rather than her fans if that makes sense well, we you know. know why she did this though she did this because she wanted to write without the pressures of having all these people on top of her you know she got to do it privately enjoy publishing a book for her first time really at um as somebody who's an unknown i mean it must have been so rewarding for her to do it this way and i think i don't think she owed us anything in terms of like you know i i would have been fine with her releasing unveiling it let's say i bet she would have done it before the holiday so, so they can get some good holiday sales out of this. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think if, if she waited even till the end of this year, I think that would have been completely fine. But mm-hmm. so Jamie, when did you first hear about, like, how did you hear that the cuckoo's calling was JK Rowling? Oh, I think it was a news website, BBC News. And, okay. um, I mean, I was just stunned. At, at, to be honest, the first thing that jumped out at me was what happened. After it came out, rather than the story, I mean, you know, it's a leaking story. It happens. It's just, it just has more relevance for us because, um, because, you know, we're fans of Harry Potter, but, you know, this type of stuff, I guess, happens all the time. What hit me was, you know, she sold 1500 copies between when it came out and when it got leaked, which I've, I've heard is, is great for a first time hardback author. You know, yes, it's, it's it's a good result. You know, it's not, it's not incredible, but, I think any person should be pleased with that. And then after it came out, I think her Amazon sales ranked went up like five hundred and seven thousand percent, or <laughs> yes. you know something. And I just think that scale is something to sit up and take note that someone can generate that. You know, it's just incredible. Yeah, she went to number one. She went straight to number one. And that was based on name alone again, because it's like, yeah. oh, it's the GK yeah. Rowling book. So, did you get a copy, Jamie? Did you try? I, I've, I've, not, I haven't. Read it yet? No, I've not. I'm planning on it. I will. I will. I um. I don't think I'm going to get a copy yet. I I want to wait for the for the buzz to to sort of die down, and I can sort of read it in my own time and just sort of reflect on it. Have you guys read it? No, wait. You said that you knew, so you have actually already read the book, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You you. I mean, you caught me there. I just didn't want to. Uh, I've just had a phone call from my agent saying that I'm in trouble. So I'm, I'm just trying to tone it down a bit. Boys, have you read it yet? Micah, how far are you? Well, I got the book uh, on Friday. I ordered it through BarnesandNoble.com. It's got here pretty quickly, actually. I, I have not read it at all yet. And Still I assume spinning. I assume your copy says J.K. Rowling inside. It does. It does okay. say J.K. Rowling. Oh, wow. That's the really? thing. This is the thing. So they did the second print run with 300,000 copies. They all now say Jake, uh, Robert Galbraith is a pseudonym for J.K. for J.K. Rowling inside of the book. So these copies that people may have that don't say that are going to be really valuable. And oh, yeah. I mean, when, as we talked about on the last episode, uh, 
when we first discovered this that this happened, I personally ran out to my local bookstore. I couldn't find any. They said they had them in stock. But uh, then one of my friends nearby was able to go to a bookstore and he found four copies he purchased all four copies <laughs> nice <laughs> gave one to me he's holding on to an extra one for probably for ebay purpose purposes yeah yeah so are one of my friends they have it sealed up yeah um, i mean you know and it's just it's it's unbelievable the just the hype that that surrounded it it just but you had to act quick and and not yeah, everybody yeah. was in even quite innocently not many people were in a position to really do that and that time between when all the copies on store shelves were missing or sold and the time that the book's, you know, second print run was fulfilled, that was a harrowing week, week and a half to two weeks where people couldn't get the book unless they wanted to do the ebook, right. which I, which I'm sure is quite easy to do. Um, but it's just, you know, if you wanted the hard copy book, you couldn't do it. Right. So now it's everywhere and now it says JK Rowling inside. I've been every time I step in a bookstore now, if I see it there, I go and look through the stack of books in hopes that there's a, a lone copy without J.K. Rowling's name inside. And if I do find one of those, you can bet I'll be <laughs> buying it. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I was in a charity shop two days ago, and I found a first edition paperback of The Prisoner of Azkaban. And my smartphone <gasps> uh, broke a while ago, so I couldn't look online and see if it's worth anything. So I bought it. It was only a, a pound. And then I went online, and apparently it isn't worth anything. So... <gasps> Bit of, it's bit of a shame, though. Yeah, paperback Prisoner oh. of Azkaban, but first edition. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think hardbacks where it's at, right? Yeah, but that still I, I came think out. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. I think I the say... internet is lying to you, Jamie. I think it's worth <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I would hold on to it, or maybe you can take it to a J.K. Rowling signing, and it'll be a little bit worth worth a little bit more. Um, yeah, yeah, you, but go ahead. I might ask her to sign it, Robert G- Galbraith. Now. <laughs> 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 That's the thing is, have you seen? If you have a signed. If you have, I have a copy of, um, Casual Vacancy signed by, by J.K. Rowling from when she came to New York. But her, uh, her J.K. Rowling signature is really beautiful. I would like yeah. to see her Robert Galbraith signature. Just throwing that out there. Well, she did it. She signed actually a, a couple copies of The Cuckoo's Calling in the UK. Oh, really? Yeah. But surely it, people went up to her and they're like, oh my God, I love your work. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't look like a Robert. No, no. <laughs> Apparently no, it was it wasn't like a public book signing. It was like something here, here. I'll that look I mean this one Yeah, I'll take it. It has one bid. Um but I think she did this instant message. Boom. Uh that's the signature. I bet she did it with like her opposite hand cuz it doesn't look like Ro- uh, her Rowling <laughs> signature at all. But this is the one I keep seeing. Um oh, wow. I can't remember why she signed it. So it's, it's got eight hundred pounds at the moment. Yeah, the mail, it, yeah it's quite a nice uh, autograph, isn't it? I like it's it. All right. It looks like a man's autograph. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, I think she did it as like a thank you to the publisher or something like that. that but, that's extremely sexist, Andrew. Why? Why? What, why does it look like a man's autograph? But because because it's dirty and 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 and, and <laughs> chicken scratch. There's, I, can't, yeah, I can't believe I'm hearing this. <laughs> Just like my. Wait, there's a quote from Joe saying. There's a quote from Joe saying she channeled her inner bloke. Seeing this autograph, I would agree with that. I can barely make out the R. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like robot, yeah, right, robot enough. Galbraith is, is who wrote yeah, this. Robot, it looks, yeah. it's like robot. Yeah, look at that. No, but, so, um, I'm, I'm about a hundred pages in to answer oh. your question. I'm, I'm about a hundred, actually 116. Love the book. Um, I am planning on reading substantially the whole more. thing. 
Yeah. So yeah, the whole thing as opposed so, to casual vacancy. So Sorry. Jamie, uh, have you read the casual vacancy by the way? Oh no, I haven't yet. No, okay. I need to. I, uh, um, I was following it on Amazon when it first came out for a few weeks and the reviews were just so all over the place. Again, yeah. I wanted to let it die down before I read it, but I, I haven't got around to it. It came out just before I went traveling and I was going to get it for that, but it was so bulky that mm. yeah, <clears throat> I didn't. But no, I'm going to get it. Um, I'm I'm actually going on a holiday in a, about a month, so I might take it then. Nice. Is it on paperback yet? Do you know? Yes. Yeah, it just, just came out. Yeah. Okay, well then that'll be uh, hopefully a yeah, little lighter for, for, yeah. for travel reading. Um, I did want to mention, though, Amy, you mentioned the, the 1,500 copies is, is fairly successful. There is a quote somewhere. I wish I could find it. J.K. Rowling said, re- relating to those sales, um, that it was comparable to the same period of time for author... J.K. Rowling, meaning, like, I think when Harry Potter first started out, that that is similar yeah, yeah. to the first three months of sales for probably only the first Harry Potter film mm-hmm. or book, first Harry Potter book, uh, Philosopher's Stone in the UK. So that is actually really exciting. And the little stories we're hearing about, you know, life before people knew are that certain people did find this book and it was offered at like, um, you know, in their, their local book club or something, you know, it was a recommended read kind of word of mouth, gorilla, you know, s- s- information spreading and, and, and that this book was getting some traction, but, but two months is just not a lot for any of that to really happen. So it's, it's nice to hear that it was sort of starting out, but I do feel like the reveal came a little sooner, uh, for, for everybody. I mean, maybe if they had planned the release of the information, there would have been more stock in stores and another print run at the very least. Do you think? Yeah. 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 Um, well, I don't know. I, I think so. I, I mean, people at work were saying, you know, oh, it, it, you know, it's a cover up. This was all planned from the beginning by the people who walked in the corridors of power, you know, that's so of thing, cynical, but, but yeah. yeah, I know. And also, I mean, you know, a law firm has got smeared. I don't think any law firm is going to allow themselves to get smeared, even if they get a kickback from it. And also, like you say, there's no stock. So if if it was a PR stunt, it was it was crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I I believe that this was a legitimate accident. Well, accident, uh, purposeful by the person who leaked it. But I believe that there was no intention of a sudden boost of sales. At least not right now. Well, if I if I can compare this to something just for a minute, I mean, I'm surprised that this person hasn't lost his job. How do you know uh, he hasn't? Well, I don't, but um, I'd be surprised if he didn't because, you know, say it's the equivalent of me you know, working in a sports league and I find out that this player is about to be traded to another team and say he's a high profile player and, you know, I'm out at the bar later on that night and they're still working through the uh, specifics of the contract and I let it slip to somebody who happens to be there that this guy is getting traded to another team. And that news leaks on Twitter and all of a sudden it blows up and maybe things don't get finalized or the trade doesn't go through. And all of a sudden all this information is out there. I think that if that got traced back to me, I'd probably be fired. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, can't you, wouldn't you get, uh, prosecuted as well? I mean, you could possibly, you could, do you sign an NDA? Sign a what? NDA. NDA. Non-disclosure. You have to keep a secret basically. Yeah. Well, it's just like, it's just that any, anything that is discussed in, in that sense within a company, you know, to your point, um, you can't be disseminated to the public 
unless you're cleared to do so. So I think that the, it's it's a similar situation with uh, this person. Well, especially at, the, law at the law firm. firm. Especially yeah. the law firm. This this information, even the, the information about a trader or a player being traded, that it, that information alone is worth millions sometimes, depending on yep. who it is. And and that's that's a very real financial uh, amount to be tied to information like this. When you're a law firm that is handling items with such value as the next J.K. Rowling novel, and like Jamie was saying, I mean, no law firm's going to let themselves get smudged. Like this is severe. I mean, Rowling herself is, is is saying, "I expected this from Russell's. I expected full confidentiality. Shame I didn't get it." You know, and it's just complete trash talking. It's like because. But Russell's looks terrible. I would be very surprised if that guy stayed on. Well, and very not to mention, not to mention, J.K. Rowling is probably just not going to work with them anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, would. That's what I would. Right, exactly. But how many other businesses are also pulling out because this guy had this moment of uh, weakness? You know, right? Oh yeah, this is awful for the company. That this would this is not fun to be that guy. Anyway, although although just sorry, one last point. Who was the guy who said all publicity is good publicity? So maybe they'll Oscar get... Wilde. No, I think it was... Was it Peter Drucker, the uh, guy? Anyway, I don't know. Oh, well, I know Oscar Wilde said the only thing worse than people talking about you is people not talking oh, about that, you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, similar. So, very similar. There's that quote. <laughs> yeah. Well, this certainly... Um, you know, it's safe to say that this didn't negatively affect the book. Of course, we know that the, <laughs> the sales have been through the roof, and I'm sure the publisher is happy that it's selling so well. Oh, yeah. Dis- despite the lukewarm response to the casual vacancy i mean you know jk rowling as i think we've discussed previously i think she has only so many chances for uh people to get so excited about each and every book if she wrote three uh not great books in a row people would be losing interest unless she wrote more in the same um theme as harry potter or went back to young adult i mean she still hasn't returned to young adult writing um But it looks like the reviews for Cuckoo's Calling have been very good. I'm I'm excited to read it. But so now there are um, the movie rights in question. And uh, they are reportedly in a hot bidding war. Deadline says that multiple studios are trying to get the movie rights to the Cuckoo's Calling. And uh, WB, who created the Harry Potter films, may have the edge because of the relationship J.K. Rowling already has with them. It's- so... It's, it's very- just so interesting because nothing that's a book can stay a book in today's world. Right. Like nothing that's successful in a book can just stay a book. The casual vacancy even, uh, which may or may not be successful in our eyes, is going to be a, a TV series for the BBC or a miniseries, I should yeah. say. Yeah, but everything um, that she writes uh, can't stay as a book. I mean, yeah. or anything that, yeah, it's like you say, develops a huge fan following. They just try and squeeze it and squeeze it. There has to be like a tie in graphic novel. Films. But you know, yeah. Like a, yeah. or a stage show even. But to play devil's advocate, Rowling is to blame here too. She doesn't have to sell the rights. She could tell them the, to screw off. Yeah. I mean, why yeah, is she doing this? She has all the money why in the world. She, though? Yeah, but it, yeah, but it isn't about, for her, I don't think it's about money. I mean, when people get, get uh rich people surround them and 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 tell them how they can make more money i think you know that's that's what people have done to her and what people continue to to do to her if, mm. i mean if you write a book and you pour your sort of creativity and you know time into it over two months you i guess you want to see that go as far as it can regardless of money yeah so i guess you're saying she's doing it more for christopher little or sorry for neil blair 
Um, well, not her. I mean, I mean, they, they, they take their cut. You know, she can't, she can't turn it into a film. The whole process relies on middlemen and you yeah. know, companies, and 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 you know. But she, I think, she's doing it because she wants her work to go as far as possible, and she puts it with the most trusted people who can make that happen in a way that she wants it to happen. Right. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the fact that she has so much control over it is is what's key in in all of it is that because it you know no not many authors would have that level of control and we have to remember that this is going to be a series so this could potentially be a big movie franchise too oh gosh (laughs) i mean for me like and i i really do and am enjoying this book so far but it's a standard detective novel you know it it really it really is your hard-boiled detective going out and solving crimes and and that genre is is excellent but it is almost overpopulated you know i mean we don't necessarily need a film i don't i don't feel a need for a film even though it's a great right. book even though it may change the way i think about things uh i it doesn't need to be a movie but i think it's quite interesting that that she chose to a be anonymous and b write in that in that genre which is sort of defined by tropes you know because mm. um yeah i'm I guess for her, she can write in any genre and she, she, she doesn't have to stick to the rules of the genre. She can do whatever she wants, but it might be quite nice as a well-known author to take that power away through anonymity and mm-hmm. allow yourself to, um, to have to fit with the, the tropes of a, of a, of a genre and, and see how people judge you based on your ability to fit within a, a mold, but yet still do things a bit differently, you know? Yeah, that's really what it's all about. I mean, genre writing, it takes away like a lot of the, the burden of, you know, completely choice. It, it must be relaxing to conform to certain things while still offering, like you said, your own part of it. I mean, J.K. Rowling's writing is so good in her, the way she describes a scene and there's lots of detail. You can get an exact picture in your head without feeling like you've been reading for pages and pages because she's concise about it. She knows just what words to use. Like that makes, that's what makes the book readable. And uh, as if anybody needed a surprise, The Cuckoo's Calling is uh, number one New York Times bestseller list and USA Today. So, <laughs> But I read that it didn't beat the Christian one in one list. Which one was it? Because it, um, yeah, there, there was one list that he still topped. Or perhaps she topped it initially, but then quickly dropped below. You know, him, I read which, that. I read that too. I was too. quite surprised about. I read that too, yeah. Um, in terms of, I think it was mystery thriller novel. I'm trying to think. What it would have been on for book sales. You said John Grisham? John Grisham, yeah. He's still around. No, I know he is. Uh, (laughs) He's he's writing a sequel to uh, A Time to Kill, which was uh, obviously a very big um, bestseller as well as movie. So maybe that was it? Uh, It's The Racketeer. Is that the sequel? No, it's not. I've read The Racketeer, actually. I'm surprised that that has topped or for a time topped J.K. Rowling. I think it's that one. Well, Uh, well, maybe, maybe like the first week it was, Grisham was still number one and then. Well, the Racketeer has been out for a while. Maybe it wasn't that though. All right, I found it. It might have been another one. I found it. It's at BBC News. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. John Grisham. Just, I'm just scrolling through to get the actual... Uh... You're bringing the show to a halt, Eric. Oh, right. I forgot this was live to tape. Um, <laughs> okay. Thumbs, yeah. 
No, no, no. So the uh, Rolling Revelation coincided with the paperback release uh, um, of Casual Vacancy, which sold 19,548 copies in the same week. So actually, once the news leaked, both uh, Cuckoo's Calling and Casual Vacancy saw a bump in sales, by the way. Uh, I don't okay, know if you yeah. mentioned that. So they're like, oh, J.K. Rowling has a new book. I still haven't read the old book. Shit, got to get it. Um, so they must have gotten it. But it says here on BBC, uh, the entertainment news, neither title managed to top and topple John Grisham's The Racketeer from the top of the chart, which shifted 24,222 copies, but, a 19% drop from the previous week. But so. what date was this? This was um, this article is dated twenty fourth July, so it's a couple days ago. Okay, the New York Times bestseller list, for example, this one is the August fourth list, which must okay. have just been published. So, oh wow, yeah, no, but uh, so it is the Racketeer, in, in fact. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's I mean, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I guess that was doing really, really well. But isn't that strange that it sold so many? I mean, I don't know. Uh, Amazon is selling the Racketeer for three pounds, so. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, well, did it's it, hard to compare them, really. Did it just come out in paperback? Is that what it is? Possibly. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it might have been. It might have been. Perhaps we can add to the conspiracy that they were <laughs> they were in on it was on it as well to boost a bit of racketeering sales. going on. Yeah, it's yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the um, official UK top fifty apparently for literature. Fourth uh, of July, it came out the racketeer in pa- paperback. So hmm. okay, maybe is he popular over there? I think he used to be more popular than he is now. I actually read, uh, I think, The Firm, one of his early books, and I just couldn't get into it. No. I thought it was really stilted. Well, I I, the movie. I'm going to be starting The Cuckoo's Calling potentially tonight because I uh, just finished another book. So I'm ready to go, finally, after two weeks. I like how we've created, uh, with just one episode left to go after this, uh, a new segment on MuggleCast called Bash John Grisham. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, maybe maybe we can move on to him. <laughs> New fan site. Yeah. So um, let's talk some Harry Potter news now. Believe it or not, this is still a Harry Potter show, despite the first uh, 40 minutes yeah. being about J.K. Rowling's Cuckoo's Calling. So a new cover uh, was revealed for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. It is, as we know, they are Scholastic is revealing new covers one by one for the Harry Potter books in the United States. And uh, this one is actually my favorite. It depicts Harry and Dumbledore on the rock, uh, on the, 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 the cliff of rocks, right before entering the, the cave where Dumbledore, of course, drinks that potion. Uh, I think this is my favorite. What, what, do you guys like this one? I think None it's of- nice. I mean, it, it, y- there's a big divide between the American covers and the British covers. I mean, this wouldn't ever get put on a british cover i don't hmm. think it's it's cool yeah it's cool i think that's the ideal word for it because it's cool but i don't know if it's appropriate uh, if you know what i mean the, the purpose of this is is for kids they're going to republish these they're going to yeah. put these new covers on paperbacks to appeal to the kids well it's instincts more of, a graphic, of being children yeah this yeah this is more of a graphic novel approach a more anime or manga like approach to the harry potter series um, it's where the authors come from. It's his drawing style, his artistry. But none of these uh, book covers are really doing it for me. Following the Prisoner of Azkaban reveal, um, oh, I think sorry. that's my favorite cover of these these ones that are getting redesigned. But no, this isn't doing it to me, for for me. I mean, I think Harry and Dumbledore's journey is probably the most important part of Half Blood Prince. But I, I think it's almost too obvious to do them on the rock 
because you know the U.S. edition is them in the cave, so it just it feels like he didn't stray far enough uh, from mm. the other cover. You know, and if you're I've, talking, I've about only it. just noticed this, but Harry looks kind of odd, doesn't he? Yeah. In it, <laughs> well, just cartoony. I mean, I wouldn't say odd. Okay, well, sorry. He's also cartoony. wearing <laughs> he's wearing like a cape, which I guess is what he's wearing in the book, because there's there's a movie poster version of this same scene. Actually, if you guys remember. And it looks very similar where Harry and Dumbledore are standing on top of a rock um, with their, you know, it's windy and the You're sea. Right. Yeah. You're so right. it's it's very similar to that. Even the colors, I think, very similar. Um, nonetheless, I was actually at the party at Comic-Con where they unveiled this and I got a lithograph, which I'm nice, really excited nice, about. because it's Nice one there, Andrew. Just dr- drop in what you've been doing hey, recently. <laughs> you could have you come. You could have come. Um but yeah, so, uh, I real, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this one. And the final cover, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, will be unveiled this Wednesday on Harry Potter's birthday in New York City. Ah. Uh, yeah, which, uh. Where, where is this? Sorry, the, uh... sorry to say it again, Jamie, but I will be there too. <laughs> <laughs> will you be there? Where yeah. is it? It's Scholastic. Yeah, uh, it's Scholastic. Yeah, they're gonna do a party. It's gonna be like a kid's party. It's not gonna be like, Real fun. Like <laughs> it's gonna have, be birthday. There's cake no, there's balloons. no alcohol, is what you're right. Saying. The Half Blood yeah. Prince one had an open bar. It was so much fun, but this one's gonna be like for <laughs> kids. Well, that's really in the spirit of children's books, isn't it? <laughs> open bar. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we, there are there are nobody's kids and nobody's a kid anymore. We all we're all legally able to drink. No, but um, yeah, Micah, you should come because I will. I'll, I'll be there too, and well, apparently there's gonna be like this thing where you can like pose inside of the picture. Like, you know, you could stick your head through a hole and it's like, you're Harry. And, and, and you're on the cover. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This is your chance. Oh, they've been doing that for years, haven't they? Yeah, will yeah, they yeah. ever get, will they ever get old? I don't think they will. People yeah. see the them and they just the can't, they, they just can't resist putting their heads through it, right. can they? No, it's so <laughs> great. So, um, yeah, that, by the way, for anybody in the New York City area, it, it's a public, it's open to the public. It's n- at, at noon. At Scholastic's headquarters in New York City. So, uh, this Wednesday, July 31st, Harry Potter's birthday. So, come on out. And by the way, we've, we've been talking about all this art and how great it is that they're revealing each cover one at a time. Like, you know, they could have revealed all seven covers at once, but it would have been exciting for a day and that's it. This is, this is a much more exciting way to do it. They still have yet to reveal. So they're milking it. They are milking it, but I think it's good, especially because Harry Potter fans are looking for something to look forward to. And we've been able to look forward to these. Very true. They are still, they still have the back covers to reveal and the spines, which when all put together will reveal one image. No, 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 whoa, no. I'm going to put my whoa, foot down whoa, here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's milking whoa. it. That is milking <laughs> it. You can't, you can't have a spine release party. Well, I, do don't the entire <laughs> I don't know if they're going to have a spine release they party. They can and they will, Jamie. I, yeah. yeah, they probably will. Do they can do anything, there's... right? Do we know that there are images on the back covers? Is yeah, that- yeah. I, when I was at this party, the, the the guy in one of these pictures. Oh, you were there, were you, Andrew? Oh, yeah. Did oh. you hear? I was at this party and there's free alcohol. No. Oh, um, okay, I wasn't sure. I was speaking to the Scholastic guy and he told me this that they that there's going to be art on the back and on the spine and and as we've already spoken about the the box set the box that holds all of them will have art as well. So Jamie, I'll give you the RSVP info for the box set reveal party. Nice. Are you gonna Are you gonna cover my uh, costs? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know if there's a party. I was just joking. <laughs> oh right. Okay. <laughs> and an inside flap reveal party. It's gonna be. Oh awesome. yeah. 
<laughs> nice. That is true milking of it, isn't it? Anyway, but people in the New York City area, come on out. It'll maybe it'll be like a mini MuggleCast meetup, especially if Michael comes. Pottermore, we spoke about uh, Pottermore. Jamie, do you know about Pottermore? What have they changed it or something? Are you registered on Pottermore? Like, did you get uh, sorted? I am. I am. Yeah, I did it quite a long time ago. Though I had a look around. I haven't been on it for a while, though. Yeah, they're kind of. It's going well. I mean, they they kind of people have been a bit bored because there's not much new. Um, they're still releasing new content from the books, but they're trying to make some changes to appeal to a wider audience. And one of them is going to be uh, basic information pages, a book page. <laughs> And, uh, like, so you can click on a book and learn a very basic summary about the book. And they are expanding the commenting features. Now, there's not much to talk about here, but it's just a little update. These additions are being added when they release the final uh, Prisoner of Azkaban chapters coming out very soon. So when you say release the chapter, is it a new chapter? Right. Well, we're in the middle. All the books are still not available on Pottermore in terms of going through them. You, uh... Right now, we're in the middle of Prisoner of Azkaban. So, uh, they're going to release the final chapters of Prisoner of Azkaban in the coming weeks. And hopefully, there's going to be some new writing from J.K. Rowling. I think they... Okay, so that's cool. But, I mean, just releasing the chapters sounds a bit pointless, to be honest. I mean... Well, right. Sorry, it's like moments. And in these moments, you get... You know know how Pottermore works, right? You, You go chapter by chapter. Yeah, but I did. Oh, okay. So wait, what we do? Oh, yeah, chapter. sort of. There's not like analysis. And so stuff. they stole it from us. <laughs> it's not as interactive. It's not called yeah. chapter by chapter, but it's not as good. You mean, right? Right. Of course, it's not analysis. Like you'll go into a chapter and then you'll click on a moment, which is like an illustration, and you can click around and like discover things. And then there may be new writing from J.K. Rowling about something related to that chapter. I think... Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, but... We, we can't offer that, can we? No. <laughs> no, because she never decided to come on the show. If she had, at any point in time, decided she wanted to join uh, the BuggleCast panel, perhaps we could have created this website herself and made some money off of it. Right. But, uh, but Micah, <laughs> wait a minute, because you, you promised that uh, J.K. Rowling would be on our final MuggleCast episode. Yeah. In some capacity, yes. Yes, in some capacity. Let's not let everybody's hopes down here. That may no. still, that will still happen. Right. It'll still happen, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just discouraged by the fact that there's CEO left. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. He that went- was the guy, man. That was the guy. He was like, back of planes, we're going to be able to do Pottermore on the back of, right. of plane seats across the transatlantic flights. And I was just like, man, this guy's great. And then he went back to what he did before he was doing Pottermore. And was right. Thinking, he went back to his hey, old job. What did he say about, about all these promises? What did you say he said? He, he, he essentially Pottermore yeah. everywhere. So he wants to get it, for example, in, in flight, like in flight. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, he just wants Pottermore everywhere. So, uh, there's a little exciting news for Rupert Grint fans. He uh, is going to be making his stage debut in the West End revival of Mojo. <laughs> Mojo. <laughs> yeah, it originally premiered in 1996. And yeah, yeah, you haven't heard of this one, Jamie? Uh, not Mojo. No, I don't. I don't know that. He's going to be playing a. Uh, let's see here. It's 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 uh-huh. about rival gangs in 1950s Soho, and it's rock and roll scene. Grant is so- going to be playing an. Amphantanum. I don't know how you pronounce that. Oh, God, please try. 
That's going to really amuse me if you try. Amphetamine. Amphetamine addicted gang member. I knew it. I knew I knew it. It's a matter of getting it out of my mouth. Reminds me of that time, Andrew, when you uh, you were hungry and you suggested we go and eat some thigh food. Yeah, Do you thigh that? food. Yeah, <laughs> like you actually like clamp your mouth around somebody's thigh. <laughs> that was that. That was funny. That, that was, was very bad. funny. That well, was in bad. Soho, no, <laughs> I can't make that. Can trip. I get thigh in Soho and then go mm-hmm. see Rupert? Maybe. Ha- yeah, and have some um and fat. Well, however Amphet- you want. Whatever you said, I can't even attempt to recreate. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, this is kind of taking a step in Dan Radcliffe's direction, who's done numerous plays now. He's currently in the uh, play in the West End, The Cripple of Anishman in London. And Emma Watson, too, recently, she mentioned that she wants to do some theater. She said it could be her next move after Brown. So everybody Mm, wants to do theater. So wait, why, why? I mean, is this, I don't know, is this standard now that people... You know, do films and they do a bit of theater and then they, you know, go back to films. Or is maybe. it just unique to the Harry Potter trio? Well, maybe they're looking at Dan Radcliffe and they're like, oh, he's had a lot of success and he's probably enjoying it. I'm sure Dan Radcliffe has said good things about it. I, you know, Rupert, though, hasn't really done much since Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, he, we don't really no, have a, we don't really have a statement from him saying that he even wanted to continue you know, acting, and although we do know he has tried starring in different things, there was a pilot uh, called Super Clyde that didn't get picked up for for American CBS, TV audiences. Yeah. But I think aren't don't all the best British actors don't they all do a lot of theater in addition? I think to they this? start. I think they start a lot in theater. Ian McKellen did. Patrick mm-hmm. Stewart did. Right. Um, I guess so. I mean, I think it does help, doesn't it? I mean, uh, what's his name? Wolverine. Hugh Jackman started mm-hmm. off in the theater as well. Yeah, I think so, it helps. I mean, it gives you a more well-rounded view of acting, maybe. Something yeah, like maybe. That. I think that's probably it. The different formats, the different forms, allow you to really craft your your skills. That's just what I think of theater. So I think it makes sense that Rupert is is trying. If he does want to continue, then that's great. Um, but I what I don't know is what's with all this drug addicted stuff that everybody's doing. Um, for instance, uh, we just spoke with Harry Melling, who played Dudley in the series, and he just did. Uh, a show about a bunch of uh, family family of drug addicts and drug drug uh, traffickers, actually. Um, and I was just thinking, well, that's just a, you know the latest gritty topic for for to be talking about. I don't know. Uh, I just people like, I like guess gritty, the point I'm, don't they? Point I'm trying to make is I prefer comedies. <laughs> so I don't know. A good old Shakespearean romp. Give me that over over any of that drama. Uh, here's a question about him. Harry Melling, is he? He's got really skinny, hasn't he? Or what, yeah, was yeah. he using a? Did he have to use a uh, a um, fat suit? They're called, aren't they? No, I, I think I think, he I think he's the. Yeah, we spoke with him recently, actually, about that show, uh, which was called the uh, something Family Robinson, Crack Family Rob, Smack Family Robinson. Yeah, that's that's what it was called. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I spoke with him actually. He's a nice, nice guy. Um, on the, you know, just during an interview and he mentioned, uh, the, the weight loss and stuff. So that's all I have a, I'll send you the, the transcript of that somewhere. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I want to learn about his regimen. How did he do it? <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's seeing that, um, Rupert, is this a musical? I'm trying no, to think. No, no. Okay. I just pictured West Side Story there for a moment, but, <laughs> uh, drug addicted, uh, gang member. It's a step, you know, into the theater. We'll yeah. see that. Gosh, it's like you say, Eric, like people like this gritty stuff. They don't want happy stuff. I don't know why. Right. Well, because <laughs> they can relate to it. Cause life is gritty, Jamie. Yeah. Life is gritty, right? 
yeah, in, in in West Hollywood, yeah, life yes, is gritty there. Yes, well, it's it's pretty, and it's also it's pretty gritty. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, that's why the Hunger Games is so popular right now because it's relatable. Yeah, yeah oh, dystopian, post apocalyptic, post apocalyptic. The Hunger Games. I read the first one abroad, and I picked it up just because it was there. I went to one of those book swap things. Yeah, and I I always thought it was a bit childish if i'm honest but i read it and i was like wow this is incredible yeah. and then we picked up the second one and read that and then i just actually bought mockingjay okay. uh for my kindle so i'm going to read that soon as well oh it's fantastic the first one good yeah it is isn't it uh laura describes it as dystopian for dummies dystopian, dystopian for dummies, for dummies. <laughs> yeah. it goes along the line of what you were saying a bit childish but that's true i i think the second one is my favorite though well the the only thing that annoyed me slightly, I think, was the way she called her characters like uh, like President Snow. Like I, I don't know why I just didn't like that name. It 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 was a bit like Twilight naming characters conventions, like huh. Jacob Black. Like very simple like uh, names. I just thought it was a bit lazy. I don't okay. know. I think uh, we've been spoiled on seven J.K. Rowling books, though. To be fair, what, with, yeah, with, yeah. With, with, with with surnames like Scrimjower, you know, this is like yeah, wow. Perhaps been, yeah, perhaps we're used to used to what's not normal, you know. No, we're just used to authors having thought and creating their characters. Ouch. Maybe, Ouch. maybe. Wow, although, although Michael, I don't know because I would say that Haymitch is one of the best characters. I, I think he's one of my favorite characters in fiction. So, what um, now, and by the way, Haymitch, <laughs> Katniss, Peta. I mean, these aren't popular. These are these aren't common names. I mean, well, okay, first name and coin are pretty basic, but first names looks like she just dropped a box of alphabet. Uh, soup, <laughs> you know, and, and came out with, uh, Katniss Pita, you know, but, um, but no, last night, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, it takes something to create any character, not just a name, but, uh, I think we're right. Naming conventions do tend so, to be white, snow, even some of the other characters in Catching Fire. I was just looking at the uh, posters, uh, on Hypable actually for the next Catching Fire and there's like gloss and, uh, what's the other one? Not just gloss, like, um, Finnick, Mags. No, no, no. The, the who's the shiny or or like smooth? Oh, fen, fe, who's the yeah? Who's the guy? The uh, Nordic Norse guy? You know who throws a spear? Brutus? Is that Brutus? No, no, no. The the ah uh, bum, 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 The guy who eats sugar cubes. Finnick. I can't, yeah, that's I'm, Finnick. Oh, oh, Finnick. Sorry, oh, Finnick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was quite a cool character, but a bit. Did, I thought he, he's like painted him. He's but. like the heartthrob of uh, the, the, this next film. Well, you have to have one in the films. Don't it's you? Gonna, don't you? You know. Well, uh, like you need the love triangle as well. You know, between. I mean, you know, you have to have the. It's like uh, Bella and uh, Edward, Edward and Jacob. Yeah. And, it was. Uh, it was Cashmere. There's a girl named Cashmere. Okay. See? <laughs> yeah, okay. Apparently, that's I was just like, oh, yep. Bet oh. she's got smooth skin. So let's move on here. Uh, yep. It's time now for a classic, Jamie's British Joke of the Week. Now, you've kind of sprung this on me, haven't you? Oh, I didn't Well, it wasn't... This. Yeah, I, I, I wrote this, but I, I think it... I feel it's necessary. If we have to take a pause well, for you to get one. Enough, um, this was such enough. a staple. And, and Yes. Oh, sorry. I thought uh, I thought my connection died there. Uh, luckily enough, someone told me one at work, but I don't know if I don't know if this if this thing that it refers to is a British thing only. So I'll, I'll try it and see how it goes down. Okay. What type of owl is the most common owl? 
I don't know. What? Uh, tea towel. No? <laughs> that, 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 must be a Brit- that must be British. What are you guys using? <laughs> what do you mean? To do well, what? We don't to, have tea. To, no, it's, you don't use it for tea. <laughs> What's dry a dishes? for anything? What's oh, a tea what towel? Do you, what do you use to dry, like, if you wash stuff up and then oh, dry it? What do you use? Just well, a, a dish towel. Wash oh, towel. Okay, okay. A wash towel. Uh, okay. I think I think calling it a tea towel is a British thing. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, I I, I take that back then. Say, so what type of owl is the most common? A wash towel, which doesn't really work. <laughs> no, but but that was very British, and it is a British joke of the week. That's true. The segment, true. So. True. Thank you, Jamie. It was uh, enlightening. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> do you, Do you have any more, Jamie? You You have no idea how no, much people no, look I'm forward out. to. Our listeners have been looking forward to. So if you had another, I I'd, I'd say we should oh, definitely share. No, it. I'm I'm completely out. I've not actually heard any good <laughs> jokes recently. I don't know why that is. I don't know if there's just a lack of lack of jokes going round. But but I have actually <laughs> noticed around. that. Yeah, no, no. I've noticed that anti jokes are quite popular now. Do you, have you guys heard those? Yeah, it's like jokes which just don't make any sense at all, and they're just designed to bomb. And the fact that they bomb is funny. And I, now that I've said that, I can't think of a single like uh, sarcasm. Example, sort of? uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, but uh, no, not really. I don't know the sort of like you know, term behind it, but um, they're very strange. They're very strange. I don't know. You know, if anyone has any anti jokes, write in because I like them a lot. Sure. Okay. I, I got one. Hold on. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I, I, no, no. Well, I, let me talk about I, Potted Potter. No, I, I googled anti joke, and there's yeah. actually a website, anti joke.com. I did uh, this too. So, I, I, maybe this is what you were going for, Jamie. So, oh, there's yeah, yeah. this, there's oh, yeah, this kid, a kid, who says, Dear Santa, send me a brother. And then Santa replies by saying, Send me your mother. No, no, I don't think I do mean that. I don't, I don't really get that. <laughs> I mean, here's what this <laughs> well, Isn't that the point? No, well, no. I mean, it has to make some type of sense. You can't. Okay, well, how about this? Why did the girl smear peanut butter on the road? Yeah, I don't know. To go with the traffic jam. Yeah, that's quite good, but that's just a normal (laughs) joke. (laughs) Or or, or, no, I found I found one. This might be an anti joke. Why did the boy drop his ice cream? Because he because he was hit by a bus. (laughs) Yeah, kind of, but um, yeah, I. I think that would work better. Like, why did the boy drop the ice cream? Be- because he wasn't concentrating on what he was doing. Right, right. It's something like super obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. It's, it's like, like it's like okay. So it'd be like, why did the chicken cross the road? Because he was just walking across the street, you idiot. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. That might be the original anti joke to get Maybe. to the other side. Yeah. Oh, but, oh, no, you say that, but I actually heard something about this the other day that I didn't realize was this explanation. Apparently. That joke is amusing because it's to get to the other side, i.e. to cross the street and go to the other side of the street, but also because if if you die, you're said to go to the other side. So apparently it works on both levels, and that's why it's oh, funny. If his journey across the road is successful or not, it works. Yeah, either way, he goes to the other side. That's perfect for uh, for Schrodinger's equation. <laughs> well, that was very enlightening. Uh, have you guys, Micah or Eric, have either of you seen Potted Potter? I no. have. Okay, you have. So I actually saw it for the first time uh, a couple days ago. It was really good. What did you think of it? Did we ever talk about it on LogoCast? Did we? T- we may have. I didn't like it at all. Oh, really? Unfortunately, I just felt that the problem I had with it, I can be very succinct with this, is it was too shallow. 
It was surface surface knowledge of Harry Potter only. It, you know, the way it's advertised is is having being like condensed seven books into an hour minutes. spectacle. That's what they say. Yeah. Uh, how many minutes? Seventy. Seventy. Yeah. Zero. And for seventy minutes, I can't remember a single like intelligent thing that we did. They 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 threw like a Quidditch thing. We played like Quidditch with a bouncy ball in the audience. Like that was it. Yeah. Like it was a big inflated beach ball, and I, that was the show. And I, I just actually. Felt I said, I, I liked it, but I said this to who I saw it with. I said, this is not for hardcore fans. It's just for, it's, it's just entertainment. It's just Harry Potter related entertainment. And you know, the audience really seemed to enjoy the show and I enjoyed it. And, but, but you can't take it seriously. You can't go in expecting like this is going to be a thorough review of the Harry Potter books. Yeah. It's just comedy. Yeah. And you cannot it. expect them to have the same level of, references and i would say even respect for the source material that even star kid has in their shows um and, and as i brought up uh to the person i saw with you can't you you uh but that's good because you don't want it to appeal to a smaller audience you want it to appeal to a, as broad an audience as possible it's almost to the point where it didn't appeal to me at all i felt too old i felt too old to be there it, it's just it, given how successful potted potters i saw it when it was touring to chicago it, they did a a huge tour and and then in New York, and it's on taxi cabs and it's on banners and boards. To see that these guys, you know, Dan and, and Jake or whatever their names are, uh, Dan and Dave, Dan and Mike, something like that, are, you know, on Broadway and Star Kid is not, that's just the biggest kick in the face. I don't think could... Star Kid wants to be, though. Well, they will eventually, but I mean, not with Harry Potter. It's just, right. the, the, if there's a Harry Potter show, as wide as as to be on Broadway, I expect it to be to have be of a much higher caliber than just a surface shallow. Even if it's fun, even if it's entertaining, I expect it to have a little bit more to do with the books. I perhaps I'm um, just expecting too much, or like you know, I'm being too harsh about it. And and uh, what's the word? Um, strict or or you know something like that. I, I had fun, but if I had paid to go see it, and uh, more than the thirty five, the tickets are. Even pretty expensive, but I think my friend chipped in or maybe somebody couldn't go and I, I went either for free or for reduced cost. Like, if I had paid full price, I would have been very upset. Mm. So, Eric, I can't really tell. Did you like it or? <laughs> I don't think <laughs> Sorry, you did. Sorry, bad joke. <laughs> but it's okay. I will respect <laughs> anybody who went there and had a fun Anti-joke. time. Yeah. yeah. It was amusing for kids. It really would have been, you know, a family show, which is what I guess people expect in Harry yeah. Potter. Yeah, there were it, a bunch of families there. It just it does the same thing for Harry Potter as putting it on a children's book list. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like isolates it, makes it for only kids to to see and enjoy. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, I see it all the time around the city. I see it actually mainly on garbage cans. Like they yeah. they decorate these garbage cans. They have these little owls sticking out of the tops. Yeah, so, it must be uh-huh. expensive because they're too like sure right. That. Well, they must be like right. Uh, they're like right in Times Square. I was actually pretty surprised yeah. by. Yeah. That must be expensive. Anyway, so Potter Potter, I would recommend it. I enjoyed it, but like you can't you can't go in there expecting like an actual review of the seven Harry Potter books. It's it's very very broad, very broad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's get to some emails. We have a couple emails now. Um, this first one is from Catherine, sixteen of London, writing about the Half Blood Prince of Cambridge. This is perfect for you, Jamie. We got the new royal baby, and we got a yeah. British uh, gentleman to represent. 
Haverhill. No, I just have to point out. Okay. Andrew, what did you say the title okay. was again? You you think it's Cam- it's Cambridge, right? Is I right? Do, well, well, I don't think it's Cambridge. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cambridge. Hey, everyone. I love the show. I only got into Potter in the last year, so it was great to discover that there was still an active community. So it sucks that the show is ending. <laughs> I was thinking that with all the news of the royal baby, how perfect the series would be for him to read when he gets older. <laughs> From an extremely young age, both the prince and Harry become famous and revered around the world. They are both expected to serve the people, even though they didn't really get to choose that they would be special. They both live, they both will live out virtually their entire lives in the public eye and will be obligated to do good for communities. They are perfect, they are both frequently under scrutiny from the tabloids. There is also the fact that they are both half-bloods. James was from an old noble wizarding family and Lily was from an ordinary muggle one. William is from a noble royal family and Kate is from a normal middle class one. Anyway, I just found, I just thought that there were lots of similarities between them. Also, I have a feeling that if Joe found out that the future king wanted a Marauders era book, she would write one. Thanks for opening the door for me into the entire fandom. So. I think that's a really nice email. I think yeah. it's true. All of it's true. You can't really argue with it. Uh, yeah, that would can. be great if, um, he did grow up and read all the books and got really into them. And, you know, was this kind of out there prince who liked Harry Potter and, but hey, we could revamp the show in twenty years and have him on as a guest, right? Yeah, when the re- when the reboot films start happening. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and they were both born as the seventh month dies. I don't know if that <gasps> was oh god thrown in here. Nice. Good nice. point. Good point. I, I stole that from uh, Lord Voldemort on Twitter, though. I saw that a couple of uh, days ago. That's, that's very honest. I'm just being honest. I'm look. I'm sourcing my my material so I don't get a lawsuit or anything like that. I stopped um, following yeah. him because he does sponsored tweets, which are so annoying. Well, here's a question: Who is it, and how have they got two and a half million? He followers? doesn't reveal his identity. He does it just by being funny, and he gets lots of retweets. These 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 fake accounts where you pretend to be somebody else in their voice are yeah. very popular. Yeah, but I just two and a half million. I, he must make a load per sponsored tweet. Probably. Although, yeah, weird. he doesn't reveal himself. I tried to interview him for MuggleNet, and he wouldn't uh, do it. He did want yeah. his Lord Voldemort though, but not himself. <laughs> oh, <laughs> strange! It's really J.K. Rowling. That's what she's been yeah, spending yeah, all yeah. the time on. There by, you go. Uh, by the way, she said uh, this emailer Catherine says uh, feeling that if Joe found out that the future king wanted a Marauders era book, she would write one. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think mm, even for him. I don't even think this this new kid uh, could do it. George Lewis, Bumblebee, whatever. Pr- Prince George Alexander Lewis. Excuse oh, me. There you go. <laughs> okay, no, but, just for Jamie's sake. Actually, Comedy Central had a funny tweet. I think I should share um, because the name George Alexander Lewis, and this may be you know, it's very clearly a, a, either a royal custom or just customary to honor previous royalty or previous kings, previous rulers, that sort of thing. They named the child, you know, George Alexander Lewis um, as as a name. And I think it's uh, Comedy Central on Twitter or Indecision, whatever that account is, um, said his actual full name is Prince George Alexander Lewis Harry Potter Doctor Who the Beatles of Cambridge. <laughs> nice. So, nice. That's, that a very, that's very um, centered on America. Just, yeah. Okay, final email today. This is a bit of a long one. Hey, <clears throat> hey, Mugglecasters, I've been listening to your show since around episode 50, but this is the first time I'm writing to you. Royal family. Not sure what that came from, from a stock, you know. Oh, sorry. I think everything froze up for a second. We good now? 
Oh, wait, can we, wait, what, what was your response uh, to the oh survey? My the voice is going a bit weird. Hold on, can you still hear me? Hello? Hello? Yeah, yeah, you went away, I don't think it, oh, yeah, okay. it probably yeah, wasn't can, yeah. Okay, yeah, I think it crapped out for a second. I was just moving on to the next email. Oh yeah, but what was your response, Jamie? Just so if you could say it again about that, uh, that full name, the Beatles. Oh, right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think, humor for Americans. You just picking like the three British exports, you know, but there, mm-hmm. there are only a certain amount of names that, you know, British sort of royal births can take. They're expected to go along a certain, a certain sort of, you know, uh, uh, like a certain type of name, traditional name. And also, I did read a piece on the, their names came from, you know, grandfathers and great grandmothers, sorry, grandfathers rather, that would, that would, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, it was to be expected. And I think the bookmakers had, you know, George as the favorite, so. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Final, Interestingly, yeah. Final hmm. email of the day. This comes from Sophie. Sophie? Hmm. Uh, hey, MuggleCasters, I've been listening to your show since around episode 50, but this is the first time I'm writing to you. I've really enjoyed MuggleCast over the years and wanted to say thank you and congrats on your amazing eight-year run. Here's hoping you all achieve such levels of success in your future endeavors, too. Ooh. I also have a suggestion for a favorite segment, if you still have time left in the show for it. Favorite alternate Harry Potter ending. I thought this might be fitting since MuggleCast is formally ending its run, too. Just for kicks, here's the ending that I always kind of wanted to happen. In Book 7, Ron is killed in Malfoy Manor while attempting to save Hermione from Bellatrix. Start off uh, heavy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Harry and Hermione are forced to continue the journey alone. They do defeat Voldemort during the Battle of Hogwarts, but afterwards, Ginny cannot help but partially blame Harry for Ron's death. Since it was Harry's fault, they ended up in Malfoy Manor in the first place, and they are unable to make up. Harry becomes the defense against the dark arts teacher at Hogwarts, which he finally realized was his true calling after reflecting upon how much he enjoyed heading the DA meetings. After, or sorry, having broken the curse that Voldemort placed upon the position, he enjoys many years as one of the most popular DADA teachers in the history of Hogwarts. Meanwhile, Hermione moves up the ranks in the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, as in the canon. And the epilogue depicts her visiting Harry's office late one afternoon, many years after their time as Hogwarts students. They reminisce about old times and how much has changed since Voldemort's final downfall. So this is saying Ron and Hermione obviously wouldn't be together. Harry and Ginny wouldn't be together. Because Ginny hate Harry. Right. <laughs> Does this also mean that Harry and Hermione could potentially get together? Well, she is visiting his office late one afternoon. And then, and then the film <laughs> closes, and yeah. I think I could see where this is going. Yeah, fairly early on, once you remove Ginny and Ron from the equation. Um, yeah. But, I think yeah, Sophie's I, a secret Harry Hermione, you know, it's, fan. It's true. It's true. There's I, one word for those people. <laughs> I like this idea of ultimate yeah. Harry Potter ending. I mean, I, I would have seen, I would have preferred to see. Harry not get with Ginny, and I think the movies did that for me. I can't even remember book Ginny anymore. I just She's know great. that Ginny in the films, I think, is one of the worst casting choices ever. She's just so boring. I don't like Bonnie her. Right? Well, and yeah. so I just for Harry to get with Ginny after all this. Oh gosh, come on! I I would have liked to see Harry and Hermione get together. Uh. Delusional. Oh no, sorry, you aren't supposed to say that. Yeah, that was the word. That was the word. Oh, he got it, Jamie. It's good. Oh, I didn't want to say it. I, I didn't. I didn't want to. But then I thought I just would. I'd go for it. You what, might want what, to get that uh, that looked at. That syndrome that makes you shout things 
This yeah, is a good yeah. question. Do you guys have any, like, if you could change one thing about the way the Harry Potter books ended, maybe something within the epilogue, would you have changed that? I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough to go back now and say, I mean, the epilogue, you know, doesn't really change the story. I, I, I wonder if... Hmm. I don't know. I mean, you the thing is... The epilogue it's okay. It's okay. centers old, around the you don't start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> the... The epilogue starts as the whole series started, you know, with them starting the journey to Hogwarts. I wonder if that, you know, sort of planted in people's ideas that that sort of thing could restart the story or something like that. I wonder if they could, you know, she could have gone for a traditional, yeah, they, they reminisce about old times type of thing and focus on the people who have been in the books, which, although she did, you know, in revealing who they got together with and the children and stuff i wonder if having a focus on everything they'd gone through maybe might have been you know maybe i don't know what do you guys think i if i could change like as alternate endings i would either make voldemort win um <laughs> just for kicks that's the ultimate um, ultimate Ending, that, yeah. that is the ultimate alternate ending isn't it but actually i would just have preferred and this goes to like sort of a deep-seated dislike for some of the events of book seven but in general i just think voldemort was hyped up uh quite a bit more than you know he should have been considering he in book seven he just con- continually makes mistake after mistake after mistake he very rushedly you know goes into battle with harry then loses and dies well, hey, 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 what do you mean events that you didn't like in book seven? Because I feel the need to pick you up on that. Oh, okay. No, I'll, I'll definitely converse with you on it. I, I think, though, it just comes to Voldemort. It really comes down to Voldemort and the backstory, particularly in Half-Blood Prince, of him carefully and cautiously um, lining up these Horcruxes in creation. And, you know, when he finds out that Harry, when he eventually finds out that Harry's been destroying them, he, if I recall, drops what he's doing, flies to Hogwarts and makes, you know, proceeds to make, and it's been a while, so I'm, I can't do terribly specifics, pr- proceeds to make a lot of mistakes in, in terms of giving the rest of his Horcruxes up, up for, for, to die. For instance, the scene with, uh, Neville and the snake, he basically looks the other way and is distracted by Harry while Neville is able to escape and then. Fair and point, but I think her point. Rowling's point is that he was suffering from hubris. He thought he had won. He he wasn't really looking, thinking that the possibility that he could lose, maybe. I could um, see that. Um, but it, it just, it's so sad to see your villain, your, like this compelling villain, arch enemy, be defeated so easily because he is proud. Like it tells a story, but it tells a story that's been told a hundred times before. I prefer the Moriarty type of villain, the villain who can't be beat, who, who can't be, you know, who's actually an equal match, whereas even Harry as the hero is only casting Expelliarmus. Still, you know, or even at the the very end, it's it's just the the battle I expected to be because Harry was so uh, outnumbered or, or so he had the odds against him so deeply. I expected more of a. Uh, That's I an guess interesting Voldemort point. But I wonder, I don't think a Moriarty uh, figure would fit with the way the books focus on triumph, good over evil. I mean, since the beginning, you knew Harry was going to win. I mean, that was absolutely clear. You know, there was ne- it was ne- it couldn't end with Voldemort winning. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't I don't know if that Mori- I mean, I agree with you. He He's a great villain, Moriarty. Mm-hmm. Um, and he works so well for Sherlock Holmes. But I don't know if it, it the same thing would would work for potter yeah. interesting though 
No, yeah. I agree. <clears throat> Micah, did you have any? It's it's tough because I think that you know to take this and and completely change the ending, maybe something along the lines of and Harry woke up. And- <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Or would, no, it would not. Be would nice. you have ended it in Scar? I feel like one of us should. No, just- <laughs> no, uh, no. But maybe he wakes up after having gotten bitten from the snake that escaped from the zoo and you know this has all been nothing but a dream <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he looks into the face of his doctor and it's really albus dumbledore or something you know like <laughs> you were there you know. and you were there and you yeah, were there exactly exactly that would be horrible what was the tv show that did that dallas i want to say a couple of tv shows have modeled uh, life on mars the, the the u.s version of life on mars ended so uh similarly yeah, but you but can't yeah. do that now, can you? I didn't think that was, you know, people hate that type of thing. I mean, Family Guy, <laughs> Family well, no, Guy took, yeah. took the Mickey out of that, didn't they? They said, uh, there was that episode where it was all Stewie's creation and Brian said, you know, don't you think the viewers are going to be annoyed that you, that, that the entire thing's just completely made up and it, everything that they've been watching for the last hour didn't actually happen. <laughs> Yeah, Which is true, it, get, it gets annoying because it's a lot of information to take in, and at the end, people just feel like it's a waste. Like I had, I had that question leading up to book seven: if Harry does die, won't people feel like it's a waste reading seven books of his struggle and his I journey? Think that's but, true. Yeah, you know what will it matter? All all that other stuff. But I will say that the the, the waking up uh, thing that that Micah was talking about. Actually, I heard a recent panel uh, at the cons. It was. Just, I've just been hearing a growing voice in the community saying, you know, because of Harry's abuse from the Dursleys, you know, being shunted in, 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 in the, the cupboard under the stairs, that it could have caused him to create an alternate reality. Like, say he went crazy from the abuse that the, the Dursleys, and that caused him to hallucinate or imagine these events in which he is a hero. How deep is that? That is, that is Matrix level deep. Yeah, or or or, or is it Inception? Is it quite Inception? Or oh, not? it's Inception. Yeah, yeah. That would... <laughs> but, but wouldn't that but, be so cool? That... A Harry Potter yeah. Inception like combination mashup type thing. I'd love to see like, that deeper. Yeah, yeah. That I think would be less cheesy than the necessarily like the Wizard of Oz, if you want to call it that reveal, where it's a dream. But it still, I think, is one of those scarily. You know, you think it's plausible for a kid to go to go crazy like that. So you know, just. I, it's a dark subject, but uh, definitely an interesting thought. Oh, this yeah. Is, this has been a very all-over-the-place episode of Mugglecast, <laughs> I have to say. But I expect yeah, no yeah. less when Jamie's on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. And uh, Jamie, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it Thanks for inviting me again. Of yeah. course. Everybody nice to wanted be back. To, yeah, everybody wanted to uh, have you on. So I'm sure everybody very ex- will enjoy this episode very much. Uh, we'll be back with one more regular episode so, of Mugglecast. So, guys, tell me. One more. Okay. Uh, but, no, but, I was just going to ask how many more. Okay, yeah, we're planning on ending it next month, which would be which would mark exactly uh, eight years because we started in it, in August wow. two thousand five. So, so it'll be eight years, and we've said to people, even though it'll be the end, you know, if if something monumental happens, of course we'll release another episode. We're just this is just going to be the end of regular releases. For example, if if J.K. Rowling's The Cuckoo Calling, end of an era, right? Yeah, and if, yeah. If J.K. Rowling's The Cuckoo's Calling <laughs> came out, was unveiled this October, we would do an episode about it. Same thing when the theme park yeah. opens up next year, the new expansion opens up next year. We'd probably do an episode, etc., etc. So, 
So that's what's happening. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, uh, what are we doing now, guys? Mugglecast.gmail.com, is that? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's it. Um, I think I may have to make one or two more adjustments to the feedback form, but it is mugglecast.gmail.com to just immediately contact us okay. uh, via email. And do that. Send in all the emails. We'll try to spend a lot of time on emails next next episode. And uh, and also, I want some anti-jokes. So send in some anti-jokes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. And uh, MuggleCast.com, all the links you need over there. Follow us on Twitter, Twitter.com slash MuggleCast. we got the Facebook, Facebook.com slash MuggleCast. The fan Tumblr, which is MuggleCast.tumblr.com. And some other links there as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Mike Attenham. Jamie gone for two years and steps into the number two position. Oh, yeah, I, thought, I just thought I was going to go for it. I wasn't sure how it would go down. But, you know. <laughs> it's what all yours, mate. Thanks. Thanks again, Jamie, for coming on. We'll see everybody next time for episode Cheers, 269. Good Bye-bye. Bye.